Welcome to The Trophy Life, the podcast that asks the question, aside from the awards and trophies, what are the benefits gained from participating in competitive activities? Welcome our guest today, former competitive skater and current partner with William Morris Endeavor, one of the largest talent agencies in the world, Scott Henderson. Welcome, Scott. Tell us more about William Morris. Thank you. Hi. William Morris Endeavor represents talent uh, in every aspect of the entertainment field. And in the recent years, we've also acquired I, uh, IMG and several things. So, you know, I work in the motion picture and television department representing actors. That's my primary job. Okay. Um, and then the company, you know, as I said, repre- we represent uh, many skaters and mm-hmm. tennis players and golf and you know, basketball and you know, uh, that's a whole different sort of section, but um, yeah, it's a very big company, writers, directors, right. producers, you know. So, so multifaceted. I, yeah, I, I, I represent actors for movies, television, and theater. Mm-hmm. That's my primary job and has been for about 35 years since I finished mm-hmm. skating. And, um, you know, it, 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 what, what does it entail? You know, my, my primary job is, is, is being on top of whatever in our industry is casting, what, what they're looking for actors to put together for a project. I'm in the middle of that because I represent actors that they want. So we, right. we uh, basically get people jobs and make the deals and then manage them throughout the, uh, throughout the process. And then, you know, it's a very sort of, like I said, it's like a complex job, but it's also super interesting. And it incorporates many of the things that I, learned in my opinion learned as a skater and coming up in that world to uh, help prepare for what the next thing i did in my life has been so it's been you know very interesting journey and um it's just really interesting to me how so many things apply to what i do and Mm -hmm. to apply to what i've learned how to do what i do is from my really my education as a skater well we talked earlier about um before the interview about some of the skills that you unknowingly were conditioning yourself for that helped you rise to the high level that you're at in this current position, whereas how you handled stress. And tell us a little bit about some of the stress that a skater goes through that may seem torturous, but is actually preparing them later in life. Well, one thing that uh, this isn't necessarily stress related, but one of the things that I learned very, very early from my skating teacher, my very first skating teacher, who was, I think, one of the most important teachers in my life was a a woman named Joan Seddon at the Hershey Figure Skating Club. I grew up in Baltimore Mm. as a kid at the Baltimore Figure Skating Club, but I went to take lessons in Hershey because there were, it was just a better environment. There were more skaters there to, to learn, but she taught me after I won my first uh, South Atlantics and intermediate, you know, I was Mm -hmm. high on the horse and she said, she said, uh, do not rest on your laurels ever because what happened yesterday is not what's going to happen tomorrow. And you can win, you know, when you win, you've only won for that moment and you have to work harder. And the next competition, when you go to Easterns at that time was there's going to be better skaters and you better be prepared. So that was yesterday, move on. And that's something that I've, you know, been a life lesson for me my whole life. But the stress, I think, sort of, you don't realize the stress that you're under as a skater when you're mm-hmm. a kid, you know, it's just fun. But when you get to a senior level and 
at a national level as a competitor, um, and you've heard many skaters say this in their interviews over the years, you know, it's like you're being, you know, led into your own execution when you're, yes. you know, those moments before you have to get out there. And I think that's a stress that many young people don't know about without being in, whether it's skating or whatever competitive sport you're in, you know, the stakes are high and um, you're prepared. But when that music of the person that's before you is coming to an end, you mm -hmm. just about want to run out of the building because you just can't face that moment, even though you know you're not going to. And then once you get out, get out on the ice and the music starts, it all happens. Right. So, but, you know, using that as an example of what kind of stress one learns at an early age mm -hmm. is important. And it was important to me because as I, as I've said to other people over the years, that facing that moment, there's nothing in my professional career that has equaled what that moment of having to go out and prove yourself is. So it really prepared me for any interviews I've had or when I'm trying to sign a client or when I'm talking to an actor or a mm -hmm. director. Right. No, there's nothing that is as difficult as those moments we face as a competitive skater when you're, you know, about to go out there. So um, that's one takeaway that uh, I think anybody that has a sports background knows what I'm talking about. And so right. that answers your question. One thing about in athletics is, young children, and then through your teens, you're exposed to um, critical analysis or critical feedback. And at some point, you have to process that so that you can actualize the change, you know, and not see it as um, insults, you know, you see criticism as something as a helpful tool. And I think for many kids, when I was teaching in college, many of my students never had that before. They didn't, they processed negative feedback as an insult versus corrective criticism. So tell us a little bit about how that really is effective and transferred. I think um, it's a, a, comp a complex question because when you're little and you're just learning how to do mm -hmm. your jump and everything, you, you just want to learn. You'll listen to whatever they say. You just want to learn how to do it. And right. I think it, it comes into play a little bit later in your career when you're uh, as good as you're going to be. We all, all of us have skated. There was a point where we were as good as we were going to be and went as far as we were going to go. And then you start to look at your coaches, you know, analyzing where you sit in the pecking order of competitive skating. You have to really own what, where, you know, what your career is going to be. And I think that's, uh, I don't know if the question is, is it, is it difficult? Yeah. But there are like that there, those are things that apply in every part of your life from your work life to your personal relationships. It's, it's having those difficult conversations where you have to take the criticism and you can either internalize it and not mm -hmm. listen to it or think they don't know what they're talking about. And you, you see that it manifests in my business and in skating business too. You see sometimes when kids make coaching changes at the right. later where they don't want to hear that they want to hear something else. So they go try somewhere else, but it's, it's, mm -hmm. you know, it's all an individual thing, how you take it. You know, for me, uh, I was, I knew when I'd gone as far as I was going to go and it was time to do something else. So I, I, uh, but you know, nowadays the same thing, it's hard. It's hard mm -hmm. to listen to criticism and it's about yourself. And, you know, now I'm on both sides of it. I have to, you know, have terrible phone calls to have to make with, with actors. Sometimes people get fired off of a movie or a TV. You, you have to have those things, but you have to, you have to own up to it, the reality of 
for yourself and for others too. So if that answers your question. Yeah, I think so. Because even being exposed to it, you, we're, we're always taking in information and filing it and being able to process it so that we can deliver it in different situations, you know, to see how it applies. So I, I would assume, it, you know, some of the actors and actresses you have that are, everyone thinks they're a shoe in for an Emmy, and then maybe they're not nominated. And you're right. the one that has to, or, or you know, uh, some other project doesn't hit the success that you think is, you know, everyone thinks for sure. And you're the one that has to deliver that a can a project is canceled. So you under, you have that empathetic delivery. Yeah, but I, I think to answer your original question, that is something that you learn to deal with as a competitive mm -hmm. skater early on. So you've mm -hmm. been dealing with it your whole life, and you know it's not pleasant, but you mm -hmm. deal with it and then you move on. Life. Th you go ahead. Okay. I, I think when we're we're getting um we're we're getting feedback from people. The more we trust someone, the more we're willing to listen and right. to to right and to lean into them. So, how with skating, um, what were your takeaways to develop that rapport and the, that trust building relationship so that you can effectively represent clients and effectively negotiate on you know movie contracts with directors or production houses? So, what were those skills? Well, I think you. I think you, your level of trust with the person that you're dealing with is important mm -hmm. when you're getting feedback from yourself for yourself. And mm -hmm. uh, I try to, uh, with my high-level clients and situations, you have a relationship with them where they, they do trust you and they do know that there are highs and lows of any career and there mm -hmm. are good days and bad days. And sometimes you get things and sometimes, you know, being an actor is very very uh, similar to being a skater in a way because right. you, know, you don't have to go out and do your program, but you are auditioning for things and you are sometimes getting, you might, you know, it's a little bit different because skating, you pretty much have to, especially now with the new judging system, you pretty much have to do it on that day. Or it's right. not gonna happen. But, you know, and it, for an actor, it's even harder because it's, it's a decision made by just a feeling you get from whether someone's right for a part. So, you know, it's, um, but yeah, I think having grown up in a competitive sport mm -hmm. where you are judged and you are judged by judgmental people and you mm -hmm. have to pick and choose who you take your critique from and trust them. I would agree. Um, I do think though that, um, being an agent sometimes, uh, and uh, you have the strategic outlook, you also have logistical out outlook. So some of that preparation that you learned as a skater or competitive athlete, planning out your season can also transfer into the kind of job that you have right now. Is that right? Yeah. It's not as seasonal, but I know your point. I know your point. Yeah. Now I do know I, I did some research and I did Google you on the internet. So I did get to see you skate and, you know, I've known you for a number of years and you've said, you know, I see you at nationals and things like that. And, and you, and I know that you're, you know, so successful at the top of where in your particular sector and you say, oh, you know, I used to skate. Well, a lot of people say that to me. Well, I was knocked out when I saw you and I saw this perfect back and you were on a show you were saying it's a canadian show um alex trebek was the mc and you were a professional skater at the time touring with holiday is that right in europe i had finished around that time though yes so tell us about the transition like professional you know from amateur 
Because in that was mid mid to late seventies, right? You know, and those at that time, if you were a skater at a mm-hmm. certain level, and you know, by that time I was in my early twenties, you there were two options as a skater: you taught skating, you became a coach, or you went in the ice show. And uh, there were lots of opportunities then mm-hmm. for me, and so I did that. Uh, it was super fun and uh, went all over the world. And that particular show was a show in Toronto that was a variety show that didn't have different guests every week. And that's where you right. found it. And that's yeah. Sort of that is a funny thing. You know, for years when I was younger, I would look at that and just like, I would, you know, was mortified. But, um, you know, as you get older and you look back on it, I think it's funny now. And so I, it, I think it's fun to have that and have mm-hmm. people see it that don't know. But, you know, it is. It uh, was a fun show. And I did a lot of that kind of stuff. And I did, you know, that was at a time when um, skating was really popular on television. Mm-hmm. Dorothy had won the Olympics in 76. This was in the early 80s. And there was a mm-hmm. variety of shows. There was a really great show we, we did in um, Los Angeles called The Big Show, which was a enormous variety show production every week right. where there were four. I was, you know, at that time I was kind of starting to be an agent at that time, but I was able to go out and do other jobs to make money. And there's four boys and four girls in that show. We were, we were on every show, but it was um, picked up for 13 shows and right. we had a different guest star every week. So it was Dorothy, Peggy, uh, John Curry, Toller, uh, Linda Friday, Annie was on it. Uh, Kenny and Jojo it was every different person every week. And we did numbers with them. So it was, just great fun at that like time. Like a variety. Yeah. I'll show you sometime. I have all those, so you'll get a kick. Oh, out. fantastic. Now, yeah. I did find out also that you trained with two of the most prestigious coaches in figure skating history. Can right. you share a little bit about your takeaway? And just the name Gus Lucy scares me. Um, but how was he, it like he, working with him? He was anything but scary. He was yeah. the... He was just a genius of, of the technique yeah. of skating at that time. Mm-hmm. And um, the, like, I, the first lesson I ever had, I think I was 14 or 15. And I'd been at National Novice that year. And um, so I was kind of coming up. And he, uh, he, would you go to, he, he, he taught at the end of the, in the, at the end of the ice rink. He had a little sort of perch there where he didn't get out. He, he was injured in a ski jumping accident. Mm-hmm. earlier in his life and now he'd become this great coach of Dick Button and Gordon McKellen and Dorothy Hamill and many people. And um, he said, he said, what's the hardest thing about skating? And I said, you know, I don't know, a triple jump, a double, a double axle. I didn't know. And he said, the hardest thing about skating and don't you ever forget it is the ice. You have to learn to respect it. You have to learn to love it. And you have to learn how it works, you know, with what you're doing on your blade. So I thought that was the most incredible answer, you know, at that time. And it's true. Yes. Um, and uh, he had uh, had an injury, as I said, he would take your hand and he said, I want you to feel something. He would put your hand on his forehead where he had a giant dent that was from the ski jumping. I see. So that's what happens when you're not paying attention and you're not respecting what it is you're doing. So right. those kind of life lessons you don't, that's not a skating lesson. That's a life lesson. And uh, right. things like that stick with me. But what somebody like that taught me and what I was so respected, Carlo Fossi, I trained with too, is, mm-hmm. is their knowledge and their um, joy they got out of giving people their, other people their, what they've experienced. And, right. uh, you know, at the time you were told about the skating of it, but you know, when you look back later and like you're, we're talking about now, those are the things that, um, 
that come back to you when you learn things as a kid that come back mm -hmm. to you that help you through whatever it is you choose to mm -hmm. do later in life. Um, Carlo was a little bit different. Carlo was younger than uh, he still got out on the ice. In fact, my first lesson with Carlo Fossi, my first year lesson with Carlo Fossi, he got on the ice with his guards on. Oh and no. So he, and he, he, you know, he would always like, he's always going a mile a minute. He stepped on his, his legs went flying up the air. And that was my first lesson with him. I'm like, great. And he was a different, different version, but also an expert in every way. And so, yeah, I had great coaching and I'm, so happy and so fortunate to have had the best. And I also studied for a while with Ron Luddington, who was another mm -hmm. one who was just, but my first skating teacher taught me, like I was saying before, she taught me the things about dedication and having to work hard and don't take, don't take for granted anything that you have right. or that you did yesterday. Every day is a new day and you have to do it all over again, basically. Use the things that you learned along the way. So Every national champion that I've ever spoken with has said, the hardest competition they ever had was trying to sustain their title, you know, to try and go back the second time because of that mindset. It's a, you feel that if you don't maintain your title, you lose no matter what the performance is. And I think it's not until you, you're later that you, you figure out the difference between winning and feeling like a winner hitting all of your objectives. And because even with Adam at the Olympics, people still say to me, you must have been so proud when he won the Olympics. And he didn't win the Olympics, but he acted like a winner. So it, it can, um, that kind of energy and that kind of um, owning the moment can go a lot further than a dusty old trophy. Well, so your, your preparation for later in life is the collection of the experiences you had as a skater is not one one thing but i think you know even nowadays more than ever with the new judging system as i said the you know you you got to do it that day that's right you know you've got to you know we, and we see champions dethroned all the time it didn't happen so much my day if you were up there they kept you up there really defending a title or or skating to your best ability from what you did the year before is the same mm -hmm. mindset Right. What is the advice that you give some of the athletes or some of the um, people coming out of some of the acting training schools, you know, when they're used to getting so much feedback and get, kind of getting molded and when they're out on their own and how, how do you mentor? Like how, what, what is the advice that you give them in that transition? Right. Well, you know, having done it for as long as I have too, it depends on the individual because, you know, I won't mention any names mm -hmm. other than Adam because mm -hmm. that's how you and I got together. And his, yeah. his story is unbelievably a uh, great one because he is fearless in his, was fearless in his skating, was fearless in his uh, on camera interviews and he's fearless mm -hmm. with what's come about for him after. So he doesn't, I mean, I, I'm sure he feels fear, but he doesn't, you know, he, he'll, he's up for anything and he'll, you know, right. he's just done so well. I'm so proud of him. But um, so he was a good example of somebody who does, you know, you are seeing a progression of things come along and you actually can coach them. Some skaters have come to me over the years and many have yeah, the champions and there really is, isn't going to be any uh, further thing that they could, they can't take that into the next place necessarily for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. Um, and part of it you can't control. Part of it is just, especially nowadays, with with you know whether you become a zeitgeist person like Adam mm -hmm. did, and mm -hmm. just had everything going for him. But you know, everybody's different. You know, you discuss other options for them because you right. either, or you try and you try and see if people out there. You know, my business now is about 
if they hire you, people are going to watch you because you're on their show. It's not just about, you know, they did great in skating. That, that'll get you a few interviews and that, you know, but being able to take that into the next level is very, very few and far between are able to do that. I mean, the answer to your question is honesty, being able to evaluate what you think is best for somebody. And, mm-hmm. and sometimes so setting them up, right, for something different. There's success as a professional in different um, in different ways. There's a million, million examples of it, you know, from somebody who becomes a great coach, Brian Orser, one of the best skaters ever, you know, found his real uh, mm-hmm. next chapter as to one of being the best coach, one of the best coaches in the world. And other, mm-hmm. you know, even somebody like Lynn Holly Johnson, when she made ice castles was a competitive skater, not at a particularly high level, but she took all the experience mm-hmm. she had from that and became a movie star basically for a little while. And that. so it just depends on what comes your way. But for me, what I've taken through is to really be able to analyze what I think somebody where their career can go and help guide them through it or not. So it was a key, that keen eye, like a talent scout. It was exactly, that's the job. It's another mm-hmm. name for it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I think skating was super helpful that because you can see when you go to your first competitions, mm-hmm. you're sizing up your competition. Exactly. I, I was able to turn that into uh, a skill that I use for my, you know, job as working with actors. Cause you know, I can go see a player or watch somebody in a movie and you, if they, you know, for whatever their qualities are, if I think I can do something with that and know what to do with it. I think, but I think the answer to your question is yes, that's something that I learned from my upbringing and my coaching and all my years Mm -hmm. performing and then um, applied it to something else. And I think that that should give um, a window for competitors currently and their parents that are investing in skating. There are so many things that they are learning and habits they're creating and skills that, like you said, your analysis skills, being able to size people up and then to, I, I'm imagining you back in the day, you know, looking at somebody thinking, wow, he would be so good at pairs or, you know what, she she would be great at commentary or, you know, thinking what you thought their their strongest I suits were. All the, I think that all the time now mm-hmm. too. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, now, being exposed to like athletics at such a young age, how old were you when you started? Eight. Okay. So have you always maintained some form of physical activity your your whole life? Yeah. I still cycle. But now it's getting dark earlier, but all through the pandemic, yeah. so I, yeah, I, I bike 10 miles a day. And it's a great stress relief too. Yeah. You know, keeping fit is so important for all all of our, you know, mentally and physically to uh, as you get older, for sure. Yeah. What was one of the favorite competitions that you as an audience now you're I'm coming on the other side now you're sitting in the audience. What was one of the favorite competitions that you watched and that you were on your feet? Okay, well, I was fortunate to have seen what Peggy Fleming, who I ended up working with later after we were both professionals and I'm very fond of. And um, uh, I was uh, lucky enough to have seen her performance at the U.S. Nationals in 1968 in Philadelphia, which was the Nationals before she went, went to win the Olympics. And she will, and she said it in a million interviews. She feels that's the best performance she ever did. And it was like nothing you have ever seen. It was mm-hmm. spectacular and there was not one mistake. And she was a whole different echelon of skating at mm-hmm. that time in skating history and mm-hmm. i was fortunate enough to have been there was a little kid and then um many 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 things over the years the up the when scott hamilton was coming up and 
you know, uh, watching Adam at uh, mm-hmm. Worlds in Boston a few years ago. Oh, wow. Was, I don't know. There's too many to, to count. Too many. Great, great skating performances. But, you know, those, certainly Peggy and, and Brian. I, I, I wasn't at the Olympics when Brian won, but I certainly saw him do some pretty great stuff. And um, I don't know. Through my new my career, which I've been doing for 35 years, I've kept up with skating pretty well. And I've gone to many nationals and um, for various reasons. And so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I have a great history of skating that I'm proud of. So mm-hmm. I've seen a lot. And you're so knowledgeable. Yeah, we were talking about, um, you know, so many things. We were talking about the, the history of figures. And yeah. um, we were talking about how that really, the with the pulling out of having the figures as a required element in the total score um, made the playing field completely different. Because right. so many people like yourself and that were incredible performers, that you know, that part of the um, competition grew in more, you know, had more weight in the final score. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think figures were the demise of a lot of people. And also, I mean, Trixie Shoup, a perfect example, you know, she won the Olympics and she would have, you know, she was not a good free skater at all, but she won the Olympics. So, I mean, yeah, that, that's the, I think that's the shining example of that, that any skater will tell you that's been around for a while. But, um, you know, I was an accomplished skater and I was a well-trained skater and I had great coaches. I was, you know, whether you are or aren't, you still have the same journey through it. That's um, right. Like the skater that, you know, and I know a lot of good friends with a lot of skaters that went way further than I did, but your journey was the same. And, um, you're, what you learn and what your discipline and your education about uh, taking care of yourself and working hard, all those things that really help you later in life, mm-hmm. you learn as a kid from your skating background. I think that's, you know what, I don't know if, I, if I've ever spoken with anyone that has put it like that. I think that that should be like carved into stone and given it to as a lucky rock to every single parent that signs a, you know, a group lesson form. Because it doesn't really matter how many trophies or medals or your placement, because everybody has to go through the same process and go up the same ladder. So the, the takeaway is up to you, right? Yeah. It's not yeah. really what you're given. It's what you give to it. Right. Winning competitions is, I mean, I'm sure it's great. I yes. Mean, yes. One, some of my, on my way up, another thing, very important, but Really, I don't think my skating background is any less important than anybody that won the Olympics because what it taught me for my life is there's just nothing like it. Or it doesn't have to be skating; it could be any sport or anything that That's you right. that you study and and really become, you know, an expert at. Is um, takes years and years of work. So where you place in skating is just timing and just a million things. You know. Yes, there's yeah. a ver- there are a lot of as they term luck involved in making an Olympic team and, um, or being at the right place at the right time. And being good enough, being good enough. Right. Up up, up against your competition, you know. know, What do you think now of the quadruples? I think they're fantastic. Yeah. Exciting. I love where skating's gone. I mean, you can, you can argue with people about it, but you know, I love every, every quad I see. And, you know, I'm just only a minute away till someone's going to do a quad axle, which is crazy. Mm Mm-hmm that the, the uh, ladies are doing them now is um, 
You know, one thing I'll say too, an mm-hmm. observation that I'm thinking people share too is, you know, what I what first got me into being an agent was was you know professional skating, and um, at a time when it was popular. But because of what you're saying with quads and all, mm-hmm. what it takes to be a top ranked skater right now, you actually can't really do it for as long as you could. So, right. like somebody like Peggy, or I'm just using them as examples because they're in my era. But mm-hmm. skating's popular because they were in people's homes for years. Right. You know, people knew Scott Apple. They knew Dora, they knew Peggy, they knew Katarina. And she wasn't even American, but she was on our television all the time. And right. uh, we don't have that anymore. The kids, the kids are, they win a year, one year and then they're gone the next. So it's hard to, you know, a lot of people have come to me over the years trying to produce new skating opportunities mm-hmm. and television things. But, you know, we don't, we need people that have longevity in the sports or that people become interested in them so that they want to watch them. You know, it's um, just so that's one difference in my opinion that that i mean i think nathan will emerge if hopefully he'll he will win the olympics will really be a great shot in the arm for our sport because people will have acquired that an interest for, i don't know what got me on that tangent but um no i think I, it's important i think it's important to for because people will say you know there's um, world soccer on and there's tennis on television and golf and bowling. Why isn't there more skating? But I think you're saying that, that it's because in order for things to be popular, you have to be able to develop a relationship with that skater. Right. We'll see how that happens. But, you know, just from a, strictly from a um, technical point of view, what the skaters are doing now is amazing. amazing. And, you know, it's really fun to watch and, yeah. And but part like, of that too is the equipment, right? Tell me about what your skates were like. Cause well, I don't know, Adam, I do a charity event for my company every year at Christmas time. And we do a, um, there's an outdoor rink in downtown LA at Pershing right. square at Christmas time. And I, mm-hmm. uh, we bring in, we, we sponsor several inner city schools and we try to expose them to things that they might not normally be exposed to. So every year I, um, we get the ice on Saturday morning and we mm-hmm. bus in several busloads of kids that are great. They're all like in like third or fourth grade. And I, my dream is that somebody will watch it. What I do every year anyway is I have, I find some skaters from the local rinks that are, you know, competitive skaters and I'll have them do an exhibition. And then I get some hockey player kids from from the same rink too. So they right. come down and do a little mock hockey game in front of hoping that maybe one of these kids will be inspired to, maybe who knows, I don't know what happens when they go home, but be inspired to skate or play hockey because they saw it one day and they thought, I want to do that. I think for all of us that were professional level skaters that we had that moment when I want to, that I want to do that moment. I'm sure Adam Adam in his book talks about it. So Mm -hmm. I might have my skates that I bought. I mean, they're perfectly good skates, Mm -hmm. but they're not like Adam goes, (laughs) Adam said, those are, he goes, Scott, those are antique skates. Yeah. But they're not. I don't buckle them on. They're fine. But no, they're not. Uh, they're not made out of uh, fiberglass. Yeah. Or, and they're not so super reinforced. To, they're, they're cast because I do know at one point that they, they were, he had some sort of injury and the doctor said, oh, he'll be fine in the boot. Once he takes the boot off, he's going to have pain. But yeah. the, the boot is like walking around with a cast on. So, But they're, the, the, the skates they've gotten, they, they, they're certainly different and better. But, you know, I mean, my skates are, they were really hard to break in. You know, we were doing big jumps on them too, but it's right. different. I think that, I think they've certainly helped. It. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, even with the quads, I think they've taken physics and science and applied it yeah. to try and yeah. do the, because Adam was even saying, um, where he was at with quads, people that are coming from his generation, like people who are, say, um, 24, 25 up, 
from now. The jump technique is different. With the quads, yeah. the elbow position and everything is completely, and the arms are wrapped differently versus the way that they were when he was coming up. And I'm sure with jumps. Oh, yeah, you can't. It's, it's, we could talk about that for an hour, about the difference mm-hmm. in technique. But, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's, it's a science now how to, how to do a quad. And they, mm-hmm. you know, but I, 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 I'm, I'm really enjoying it. When you go to a nationals, do you go with the with the eyes of a a skater, or do you go with the eyes of an agent? Can you enjoy it, or or is your mind always, you know, no, I, analyzing? For me, it would apply more to when I go to New York to see theater in New York. When I'm looking at, because my 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 real primary thing is actors, and and uh, so do, do I go to nationals and see somebody that I think can really cross over like, like Adam has mm-hmm. or um, beginning when Gracie Gold was coming onto the scene. It was, she still has a big career in front of her. So I'm just saying that, that kind of a presence mm-hmm. and the talent you're excited that excites you and um, or Ashley or any of the kids that have really crossed over that make it that far. But um, really more so when I go to theater in New York, I, I represent a lot of actors in the theater there that, see the best of the best there and right. you see a young talent you go I want to I want to work with that person because you you can just see it you can see it in, in skaters when they're first starting out you can see it and how would you describe that that feel is it comfort in their own skin or from a sports perspective from by the way they move their body and the way that their core their coordination okay. and their, their fearlessness to learn new tricks and to perform for an actor it's more about um, for me if I can't see an actor that they're acting, that interests me because really good actors, you can't see them acting. You're, right. you're, you're completely absorbed into whatever character they're creating and um, you forget you're watching an actor. So I, I um, that's my own sort of, I don't know, I've never really expressed that before, but that's what, mm-hmm. that's what interests me and what, um, you know, what uh, gets, gets me uh, interested in what somebody can do. And then there's so many other things come into it from uh, on that side of it, because, you know, at least when you're, when you're a skater, you are in control of basically what you can do at that moment. And you either land your jumps or you don't, you either great for for an actor, the, you know, getting a part, big part in a movie or a a career changing part that is so random. And there's, Mm -hmm. there's no, there's no contest for it's just one person's opinion. Do you have the right look or the right age? You're the right type. Is this person playing your mother? Could you be their kid? You know, all those things. Um, It's been really fun and challenging the past several years, not just this year, but in the past entire time I've been doing it to look at uh, scripts and don't see everything by one type of person, you know, uh, African-American actors, Asian actors, like every, anybody can play any part. We we work very hard to um, analyze scripts as to where, you know, where we can cast all different kinds of people in them. It's really, that's been really a fun thing in the past mm-hmm. several years. It's been um, interesting. It's certainly more important than ever now. There's just so many, there's so many interesting talents out there from all different walks of life. It's fun. Great you fun. know, I, I think you're right. I think uh, we are trying at least um, to train the future generations to see from the inside out instead of the outside in. So I do think like when you see that dynamic cast that isn't um, what we may have seen from the 1920s or 30s, um, it's sensible. It's, it's, yeah, instead of being so, um, you know, uh, current, it just, it's also sensible. 
what society has to mirror society. So mm-hmm. it's, it's just, it's, we're just living in such a great time now where people are open-minded to uh, all the things that our culture and our art form comes to us. And it's, it's exciting. What, what kind of literature do you like? What is your favorite book? I, well, I read a lot of scripts. Okay. Takes up most of my time. And um, I couldn't, I couldn't pick, but I, I, I can tell you when I read something great, but I don't, no one favorite right now that I could mm-hmm. name, but um, it's, it's a big part of the job is reading. So I will say um, Bluest Eye um, and Toni Morrison actually read it. So I listened to it on Audible and I took her with a, you know, I would do walks in the morning during the pandemic and I started pulling out like a lot of the books. So I was actually like Toni Morrison and I were taking a walk together. So it was very... Um, yeah, it was not, you know, it was a a different and a good experience. I, I enjoyed that. Now, what kind of genre of movie is your favorite as a, as a audience member, not as an agent? I think probably relationship movies and, uh, movies about people and their experiences as opposed to the biggest, you know, uh, Marvel movies, which I certainly respect and they're fun, but I like more, uh, human Mm-hmm. Uh, stories. Story. What skater do you think would make a good of the past? What skater of the past do you think would make a good human interester? Because I'll tell you, just by um, talking to some of this, the you know the former competitors doing this project, I have seen so many interesting stories that I feel like, why don't people know about this? Even your story is so fascinating that mm. you, you know, this boy from Baltimore skates, drives up to Hershey, you end up, you know, taking summer lessons with two of the most famous coaches in the entire sport all time, travel the world, meet all these people, come up with this idea that you're going to be like an agent and not only become one, but become one of the most recognized in the industry. Like, that's a good movie. Well, the greatest one of all time, of course, is Sonia. That that's yes. What she, you know, um, I, I think there. I think you can take anybody's any any accomplished skater's story, and, and you know, Scott Hamilton's great story. Everybody. Oh has. yes. Why isn't there? You got to make a movie about this. Well, you know, it depends on what your know, movies decisions are made about making movies or television shows, or mm-hmm. or what people think who's going to go see them right now, by the way, is a very tricky time because there are no movie theaters open in the world. In the movie business, we're having to change our entire concept of how to make money and how movies will be successful. And you're, you know, Netflix and Amazon and all the Mm -hmm. streamers making movies now, but we're having to change the business model. And, you know, um, it's really a transitional time. We'll see, we have to see what happens with this, you know, pandemic and where it leads us. Hopefully I think we all hope we'll get back to our normal lives and time but, you know, it seemed like it's in the foreseeable future, but it's certainly going to happen at some point. But, um, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a trick time. Anyway, but the, the point is that um, producers make movies based on things that they think people will want to go see. So when there's a, a, an interesting story about a skater, someone will pick up. And we've been trying for a long time. There are many scripts out there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sometimes they get made, you know, cutting edge. And uh, they just did, you know, the story right about Tanya was certainly, um, the movie about Tanya was certainly about a particular controversial thing, which mm-hmm. was something to make a movie about. I'd like to see movies made about other kinds of stories where people have overcome, you know, whatever to meet their challenges and their goals. But um, 
I don't know. If you have a formula, let me know. It's it's just hard to hard to sell movie ideas. And you know, I think right. there's been a lot, but I'd like to see more. No, you know, I I've always always thought that there and we were very close to, by the way. We sold to ABC in in summer of nineteen ninety one. We sold Maribel Vincent yes. story about the uh, plane crash and that whole thing, which I think is a movie that should be made, still be made one day, maybe it will be. But that was in August of 2000. Wait a minute. It was two months before 9-11. So that was what? 2001. 2001. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, because we're coming up on the 20-year 20, uh, 20 anniversary, which is unbelievable. But yeah, so we'd sold it to ABC. We were getting the script in order to make it thinking about casting and the 9-11 happened. And so there was nothing about a plane crash that that, that just fell apart. But I oh. think it's time to, I think that movie will be made one day and it's an important movie. It's, a, it's an incredible story. And what the aftermath of what happened in that turning into the modern era of um, skating become popular. I think there's a lot to be told there. And it's a great story and a great history lesson. And, um, you know, certainly the people that lived through it that uh, like Frank Carroll and Lon Ludington who passed away this year, you know, they, mm -hmm. it's, it's something that if you experience that was just something you never forget. So, it's, so that's one thing. You know, and, and it, it, you know, that I love that you were ending up with a story like that because it's a, it's a story of hope. It has nothing to do with the quality of that story. It was about timing. You know, it was, it was well-received, it was accepted as a valuable and, and a connectable story, and then something else happened that didn't make it uh, a good connection anymore. And I right. think with skaters, that can be with their career. You know, they can, they can continue and something happens, whether it's an injury or whether it's some sort of interruption that disrupts, and they don't realize that that interruption can actually be setting them on a new path you know, a, a path of more promise. Or just the ending or coming to the terms with yourself that that part of your career is over and that part of your life is over and you have to go on to the next thing. And mm -hmm. just getting back to the theme of what we're talking about, um, it is so interesting to, as I look, I've been thinking about this a lot since we've been talking about mm -hmm. it, but it's just interesting to look back at what that background really does do to prepare you for whatever it is you decide to do in, in your life. And, you know, all of us from my era gone on to do something else and everyone's story is interesting or become doctors or lawyers or whatever else. But um, I was just an entertainment and a movie freak and a, all that. So I wanted to find something that joined those two things together. And I'm super happy about the way it's gone. And I've been enjoying it for all this time. It's fun. Mm -hmm. I think it's interesting because it's about fusion. You know, we go to a fusion restaurant, but I do think it's about fusing all of the things that you've been conditioned, and it's for, and it is for something. You know, get, going up and get getting up early and going to the rink or taking feedback from your coach or being on time or keeping your bag organized or a schedule or your periodization for training. All of those things can transfer into a professional yep. life or an academic life or a personal life in relationships. I've even spoken with with skaters that are now parents, and they say many of the discipline sure. um, and the organization that they learn, they learn from coaches. So I know that your takeaways, ability to cope, you learn that by hearing your name, and after the six-minute warm-up, it was your time to take the center ice, and there was silence. You know, those three seconds while you're in your position before that music yeah. starts. The records in my day, yeah. Records, yeah. 
And uh, transferable of skills, another one would be optimization. Because that you have that I, that um, gift where you can see someone and you can see the dynamic ability and how it can apply to other areas. So I think that being able to optimize, you know, when you go to a rink and it's not the same size, you're in an Olympic size arena versus an NHL arena, and you have to transfer your, you know, change your program, make it a little bit smaller, make it a little bit wider, or there's a puddle, you know, in the one and the Zam corner you have to kind of change things around so you're not in that soft spot where you have to do a toe jump. You know, there there are things that you have to be quick on your feet about. And I think that that flexibility is also something that you carry through in your current job. You know, you, you don't think about it until someone asks you to, to get into a conversation about it. You're right. I agree with you. And I think it's I'm really, really impressed with your idea about doing these, uh, these, these, these interviews because as a parent, Having a, I think it's geared towards parents who have kids mm-hmm. in skating. Like, how is this going to prepare my child for the rest of their life? And I think it's important to look at. I think I'm a, a good example of some, some a way to look at it. Is isn't it great if your kid wins the Olympics? That's fantastic. But I think you also have to look at it from a perspective of how is this going to prepare my child for what comes next? And um, that's can happen manifest in any any way really. But uh, you know, my experience. Uh, I, I have to say I have gone back to what I learned in my formidable years coming up as a skater, how it how it um, formed my opinions and formed my choices and uh, made me look at what my strengths are in order to apply that to something else that I can use all that. I with. love that. Yeah. So that's. And I, I, I think that my education in skating was, um, I mean, I, didn't, I went to college for two years. I, 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 I couldn't get a job right now at WME right. as an assistant because most of those kids now, everyone wants to be an agent. So they, they go to Harvard. Right. Right? These kids can go, but you go to those schools and you learn so much and so great. But the fundamentals of what we learn and our habits and what we do to achieve what we want come from the way you're brought up and the, the training that you have as mm-hmm. a child growing up and what you've learned and you just apply that because you by the time you're 20 or 21 you 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 better have your study skills and mm-hmm. your you better have that together because you're on your own it's That's not right. like no one's gonna do it for you nobody asked me to have this career you know i invented it for myself and um I'm proud of it, but I don't think of it very often, to be honest with you. But I'm I'm proud of it, and I'm proud of the uh, teachers that I had along the way that helped me form, you know, what I've been able to do. So again, I've been doing it for a long time, so I don't think about it every day, and it's you know hard, and it's a lot of work, and mm-hmm. that's sort of in the, in the front part of your mind. But then in the back of your mind is these thoughts that you don't really think about. So thank you for asking me to. I appreciate. Do this. Oh, great, uh, fun thing for me to sort of. Relive when you told me you saw that um, YouTube you know, of you skating. I couldn't believe you're back. I was like, "What? He's a good skater!" And I was shocked. I'm like, I sent immediately to Adam, and I said, "This is Scott. Can you believe how good he is?" He's like, "Yeah, I know." Even a lot of the people that I meet um, now with YouTube and everything, like I would never have shown mm-hmm. anybody that. Ever. Mm-hmm. But uh, I want now, everyone to YouTube it right now. No, it's nice to have those things. I love when people send me like pictures of me, younger me, you know, in shows and things like that. I only wish I could have them life-size cut out, you know. Um, it's They become not only fond memories, we really can appreciate, you know, when we're having this conversation today, I can see like you connecting 
a lot of dots like, yes, I remember that where that seed was planted, where that seed of patience or that seed of grit or perseverance or humility, like you say, your your coach was like, hey, do, you might have won this, but this isn't this is a journey. It's not about winning. It's about practicing to learning to win, you know, so I love that 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 you carried that with you. Yeah. And the other uh, thing, you know, skating with, you know, I took from Carlo for a couple of years because I moved mm -hmm. to Denver. Uh, and he, um, when, and Adam, Adam knows this, but when you skate with that level skater you know, every day, like everyone was a national level competitor and, and mm -hmm. you, um, you know, you learn so much from everybody else. And, uh, you know, every day is a competition. Right. Every single day, you know, so um, I'm sure Adam, when he's a little older and someone's talking to him about his journey, he'll think of, about those times too. And one of the best things that he said, I, I, you know, I, I, um, we've had conversations about this and he said when he moved from skating in local rinks in Philly and then moved out to Hackensack and he was on the ice with Daisuke Takahashi, Mickey Ando, he became a better skater because that, that, that was the mirror he was around. You know, versus being, you know, w waiting to see who was watching you. He was hoping nobody was watching him, you know, while he was out there. He, it, yeah. it improved a lot because you become your environment. You know, when, when you um, go to Lake Placid for your first time, when those, that time when I was skating, you know, right. and you're on the ice with Gordy McKellen, who was not is famous today, but he was mm -hmm. a brilliant skater. And um, uh, Ronnie Shaver skating with Carlo Fossi, you know, these guys were as good as it got. And, you know, right. lots of European skaters too. So it was really, it was really fun. I went to the other, when I went to um, Denver with you, when Adam did the, uh, was the recipient of the award from the uh, Matthew Shepard Foundation a couple yes. years, I drove by a rented car and I drove by the rink that where, where we all trained, it was, it was brand new at the time. Carlo Fossi taught there. Everyone was there. All those skaters I talked about were there training. And um, I think it's not even a rink anymore. And I asked the, um, mm -hmm. while I was standing there taking pictures of it, uh, the mail person was delivering mm -hmm. the mail to the building. And mm -hmm. I just said, do you, do you know what this building is? Do you know what went on here? Do you have, you know, I said this, she goes, no, I said, this was the epicenter of uh, American figure skating and the seventies. Mm -hmm. And this is who trained here. And did you know that? And she's like, Mm, bye. Thanks. Mm -hmm. it, 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 yeah. it had a history like, well, not like the Broadmoor because the Broadmoor had been there for so long, but it was, it was quite, it was the. Like the 1920 rink, right? Down. At Placid, the 20 rink at Placid. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's where Adam's first, his first national experience was junior nationals and it was at Lake Placid. Really? So he was like, like an inter intermediate level, right? No, he was for juvenile. Oh, juvenile, okay. Juvenile. That's what, in those days, they okay. went as juvenile. And, um, you know, he had a Russian coach, and she was like, you know, in bed by 9 and, or 8 o'clock or whatever, strict rules. And then Ricky Dornbush was in his group, and um, he um, was out sleigh riding and playing with his friends and had, like, two hours sleep and nailed his double axle and won. Um, and we were, we had talked on the way home about there has to be a, you know, there has to be more than winning. It has to be more fun. So that was a nice experience for him to, um, be in awe of the building and the surroundings. And when you enter that town, it just seems like an Olympic village, the entire town up at Placid. When I was in Lake Placid a couple of years ago <clears throat> on a vacation, I drove through there with a friend of mine. I actually hadn't been there since... 76 because i was there right before that um 
uh, no, 80 was the Olympics there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd never seen that whole new complex. So I, right. I, it's the first time I was seeing it. And we went to, um, I was showing my friend around and this happened here and they're like, whatever. And then we went into the other rink that's sort of down. Right. The practice rink and the proto pop were skating then. And yes. they were, I'm sure, in their 70s by then. Yeah. I was practically like, I was overcome. The person I was with was just like, can we go? You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> because, uh, but for me, I could have stayed there. They were just sort of skating around. But that was right. pretty great. Yeah. You think of the history of what, in those old rinks, what, who skated there and what happened there. You know, Lake mm-hmm. Class, of course, being the, the gold medal hockey game was, you know. Of course. A, a, a miracle a, on ice. Yeah, that was, anyway. Yeah, I, um, I think that not only do, do the um, the athletes get something out of skating, but the families can too. A lot of these memories and a lot of, you know, as you say, like these observation skills, you know, because I do think that when parents come in, they see a new student or they see a different setup or a different um, competition, they're able to be able to adapt these skills into their work as well. What helps you as a parent to be able to see, you can't see your kids in school. Now, now right. you can, but you know, you right. can't. So you get to see your kid learn and your child learn. And must have been a great thing for you to watch Adam come up. And uh, yeah, many of the things that he did, I didn't get to see him practice a lot, you know, only when he was in New Jersey and when he was just starting, you know, when he was young, I was at the rink with him. But as he got older, when he was training in, it, it, he loved when I would come up because he would skate. You know, Brian would say, uh, I would come up to Canada like every other weekend. And uh, it's about six hour drive, no problem at the border from my house. Yeah. And um, Brian said, when I would get there, he would always skate so much better because he'd want to like show himself, you know? So it was good for him that I wasn't there all the time because he could work out some of those frustrations and build up to that mom competition or whatever. But I do think that every, you know, every skater is different. But I do, my advice to parents is allow your kids time, allow them the time to make you proud. You know, when you're there every day, it can be frustrating. Allow them a window, say, you know, I'm, you know, I'm going to be running around, I'll pick you up at the rink, I'll see your lesson on Friday. That way it gives them something to look forward to. And it kind of gives them the nerve preparation like a competition. Yeah. Yeah. A great observation. Well, I'd love talking to you today. I could talk to you, talk to you forever. I think that the amazing story that you have and that, um, that you're still remembering some of the things that your coaches told you as a young, you know, as a young boy and uh, a teen are amazing. You know, one thing that, I take away from it too. And I don't, I, I'm sure other skaters is mm-hmm. um, I loved as a child having that sport to work at every day. I loved it. And that, that, you know, I loved working hard. I loved working with coaches. I love practice sessions and training sessions. And so now I, you know, I, at my current career, I love being in meetings. I love when everyone's sitting together, having just conversations about what we can do. So right. the, the, the actual joy of working, I learned from skating too. Mm-hmm. One thing I would add to that is not only is it about working, it's about improving. Yeah. I think if you're, you kind of can get hooked into self-improvement. One takeaway that I got in the past week or so that I've been thinking about what this interview was going to be like is how much I loved and craved and enjoyed the work 
the work process of being a skater. Like that to me taught me how much I love to work hard because you can see a result. You can, you know, no matter how far you go as a competitor, you can see milestones in your life of things that you accomplished along the way. And Mm -hmm. the, the joy of working hard is something that I took into my professional career nowadays too, because I still love to work hard and I still love, you know, sessions and meetings and with, with my clients and with my colleagues to talk about what we're going to do. Like all that stuff is, 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 is a result of how much I love to work hard. So, um, you know, that's really when you look back at your life, that's the joy you get is your day to day. Do you enjoy what you're doing? And And you, you can't go to school for that. You know, you can't take a college course, work ethics 101 or how to be results oriented. Right. That's something that's in your skin, right? Yeah, I think so. And I think I think I got that from my dedication to skating as a kid. You know, from eight years old, you just you just want to get better and better. And so, you know, and working with all those great coaches too. That was I was so privileged to be able to do that. It was great, fun, and really great education. Well, thank you so much for joining me today on the trophy life and explaining on how your participation in competitive athletics has transformed you into this dynamic prestigious career that you have now thank you thank you for asking me thank you scott made me think about a lot of things i hadn't thought about for a long time i am so glad because i could see like your face the little squirrel in your head making the little connection to the nut like yeah i get it i i see what she's talking about so i appreciate that thank you Thank you very much. For more information on what influenced my trophy life, check out my new book, Parent Up, Inspire Your Child to Be Their Best Self, available at all of your favorite bookstores. As always, you can find me on Instagram at krippon. For questions and comments and more information, check out my website, kellyrippon.com. Thanks for listening and see you next time.